What's up, everybody? You're watching the 10 After 7 podcast on YouTube, episode 19 with your host, Michael Cody Stevenson. And the first ever three-time guest returns to the podcast, Kyle Slowey. What's good? Three Pete, we're back. Glad to be here. Three Pete, shout out to Little Wayne there. We got a lot to get off our chest. Let's start with the biggest news of the week, especially for us growing up in the golden age of USC football. Reggie Bush, reinstated by USC, number five, is back in the fold. How are we feeling? I'm feeling great. I think Reggie Bush is the greatest college football running back we've ever seen. Um, especially from the age we were growing up when he was performing. I think we were all USC fans back then. Um, you know, I'm I'm a UCLA fan now, but back then I loved USC. Um, I love Reggie. I think he's a great guy, so it's cool for him to be able to be connected back to USC. I don't know about your thoughts. Probably my favorite, top five favorite athlete of all time. I can think about it right now. It's probably Clayton Kershaw, Manny Ramirez, Reggie Bush, honestly. Those three and Reggie, number five. I mean, the electricity he brought to USC football, two national championships, obviously the Heisman Trophy that he decided to give back. There was nothing more exciting than watching Reggie Bush return a punt, a kickoff, catch a pass out of the backfield, and go 80 something yards to the house. I could watch Reggie Bush highlight tapes and be confident going down to the bars this big game. That's just the kind of vibe it was. Uh, and also, a cool story is. When we met, I was pretty much reenacting Reggie Bush, running around the beach, yelling his name. I just was pretty obsessed with his kind of running style. And honestly, we haven't seen anything like a Reggie Bush since then. Can you think of one player? They tried to hype up a couple of guys that were on the same level. Tavon Austin, I remember they started to hype up. No, LaShawn McCoy, they tried to. No, Reggie, no one touches him. The funny thing about Tavon Austin's highlight tape is the first, like, 90 seconds is just him dancing around the field pre-games. But yeah, that's one, no, that's no one you one can get can... that's another one you could get hyped to going to the bars though. Yeah, he dude, I just but Reggie Bush just to be able to cut back sideline to sideline, you know. I think we all kind of tried to imitate that in flag football, you know, just like never giving up on a play and trying to get to the end zone. So I actually I, tell people I was Reggie Bush before Reggie Bush, the white Reggie Bush. I've heard the story by from Luke about you running sideline to sidelines for five minutes and scoring the final touchdown to win the game. Yeah, insane. That's where I peaked athletically. But the front foot's <laughs> into the end zone against UCLA. I remember it. Even in the national championship against Texas when he did break loose. Yeah, I know he tried to lateral the ball backwards, but he did have his moment where he jumped, I think, like six feet from the six-yard line into the end yeah. zone. Yeah, so sick. And we could – I mean, it's brought back some bad memories too because USC – it was, it was the time when NCAA tried to flex their muscle and make an example out of someone, and USC just so happened to be the team. Reggie, I mean, 18 years old, how is he not going to accept a free house for his parents? How? You can't. And to punish, to punish him for 10 years for that, you know, embarrass him, like you were saying, all the things they stripped from USC in the program, you know, especially the Heisman, it's unfortunate. The Heisman, Just for yeah, a simple mistake to help out his family. And he's handled it absolutely like a professional. A lot of people were wondering, how's Reggie going to handle being reinstated? And he's taken it in stride. He wants to come back. He wants to be a part of the program. That's where he made his name. He actually, I thought he had a great NFL career, 11 years. 
I don't think the Saints win a Super Bowl without a couple of his returns in the postseason. I, I love Reggie Bush. I'm happy about it. But yes, you can't take back what the NCAA did to USC. Those 30 scholarships, I remember there was a time when Sark was there and even Lane Kiffin where they couldn't even practice in full pads because they didn't have enough scholarship players out there. And for USC, you know, a national champion and elite college football program of Southern California to not be able to house a practice is pretty insane to think about. But for the benefit of the Pac-12, as much as I want USC to lose games, especially the UCLA, I think we need them to become elite again. They, Reggie Bush could help out in the recruiting process. You know, I don't know if all these kids are – they're so young nowadays, but it's hard well, not to what, be able to look at. I, I was yeah. talking to Kevin about it, and he said, what difference is this really going to make? I do think a lot of people's – I mean, you said it, Reggie Bush's highlight video. YouTube's out there. I think a lot of these players know who Reggie Bush is. There was a cool quote from C.D. Lamb, who just got drafted to the Cowboys, go Oklahoma receiver, and he said, what Reggie did is unmatched. So he's aware, and I think kids coming up will be aware. When they get a call from SC and Reggie Bush is on the other line, Come on down to Southern Cal, all for it. UCLA does it with Troy Aikman. It didn't work out um, with this quarterback, Miller Moss, that went to USC, surprisingly. But bring these retired NFL legends, especially college football program idols like Reggie Bush and then Ed Reed down in Miami. He's he's got hired for an advisory role to just kind of guide these players throughout the process. Maybe if you had someone like Reggie Bush, now you're not going to have uh, an illegal, you know, violation like what happened to Reggie. So that could be good for USC too. Yeah, and he's talked about he's all for doing that, and he could tell these kids, "Hey, listen, I was made an example out of. They wanted to shame me, and now with possibly a new role of these players getting paid, uh, it'll be better for USC." Uh, I'm just happy that all the highlights are out there now of Reggie Bush coming back. I actually pulled up his game log from 2005, and I just want to go down these numbers. First game of the season at Hawaii, 12 carries, 86 yards, two touchdowns. Next game, Arkansas, eight carries, 125 yards, one touchdown, three receptions, 70 yards, one touchdown. Next game, Oregon, 20 carries, 122 yards, one touchdown, three receptions, 43 yards, one touchdown. Next game, 17 carries, 158 yards. Next game, 14 carries, 110 yards. Next yeah. game, 15 carries, 180, three touchdowns. And here's the big one. We all remember the Fresno State game. This was the second, second to last game of the season. 23 carries, 294 yards, two touchdowns. Follows that up against UCLA with 24 carries, 260 yards, two touchdowns. Thank you very much. No one is ever going to be as good as Reggie Bush at the running back position. And then he goes to the NFL and doesn't fit in. But if he would have been drafted today, he'd be a blend of Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, and be a fantasy football legend. That's actually so I true. Just think, and how many times did we actually draft Reggie Bush in fantasy just because of our love for him? 100%. A, a running back that could be electric with the ball on limited carries and also catch out of the backfield is prominent today. So it's unfortunate was- for him, but. He really is iconic, uh, seriously. And for us to grow up our prime years of being sports fans, unbelievable to watch that dude play. I thought it was USC uh, withholding and keeping him off campus. I did too, honestly. 
but I just found out it's NCAA and their 10 year requirement. So, yeah. So they did the same thing with Chris Weber. Uh, and they, no said, way. Yeah. So Chris Weber, I think last year, or the year before was the honorary captain at an Ohio state, Michigan football game. So he was the first one. And then they said, okay, you guys can end your disassociation after 10 years, which is a fucking joke. I, I can go on for hours about how much of a joke the NCAA is. That it, 10 years doesn't even make sense. To, to, shame, to shame these guys that are 18 years old. It's poor. I'm glad things are changing and they're adopting new rules so players can make some money. It'll be nice. Yeah, let's hope, uh, for my sake, SC comes back because we know it's it's been brutal the last couple of years. I've, Oregon's taking over the Pac-12 right now in football, and – I've been kind of following the name, image, and likeness, and they're putting together like spreadsheets of how much top recruits can make if you came to Oregon versus other schools, and it's just it's all really interesting. Yeah. Saying a guy like Justin Flo can make like six hundred G's. I actually someone sent me the other day. Um, if yeah, if this likeness and image rule passes, how much these players would make? But it started the year after Zion was there, so Cole Anthony, I think, was like. Six hundred thousand dollars. I'm like, can you imagine how much money Zion would have made? Reggie would have made millions too. You think who would have made more though? Who was a bigger? Uh, I don't even like Reggie was big, but Zion, social media age. Like we we were on MySpace when Reggie was at USC. They would have loved Matt Liner, his quarterback, obviously Heisman, um, Vince Young back in that time. Yeah, but obviously Zion because of the dunks and how viral and quick he went. But I think football is especially at the quarterback position because you're there for usually three to four years. You have time to make some money before you go to the league. Yeah, one can only hope the NCAA just finally comes to their senses, but I wouldn't put my money towards it. So what else do we want to talk about today, man? You said you wanted to talk some fantasy. You wanted to talk some NFL. I said we shouldn't talk about baseball. Although, I don't think many people know the MLE draft is today. Um, there's only no, five it's not. rounds. Is it? Here. Yeah, there's only five rounds, and it's usually 40. I remember texting you. I saw who's supposed to go number one, Spencer Torkelson. Torkelson. And it's, funny. it's a funny story. Uh, Tigers have the number one pick. He's projected to go there. I went to go watch him pre-quarantine when Arizona State played at Fullerton and I stayed for seven innings he started off with a strikeout base hit intentional walk twice with first base open and I said you know what I'm done 15 minutes later I'm in my Uber look on Twitter Torkelson hits a 440 foot bomb out of Goodwin Field that was why as I drafted him to our dynasty so I was following him I was like did you see his home run and you're like no I'm leaving what yeah, I mean, Jesus, that was rough. But yeah, I guess that's one name to follow. And Austin Martin uh, is the other one. That's about all I know about the MLB draft. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, where do, where, do you, where do you want to start? NFL, we know that list came out a couple of days ago about if they had a redraft, everyone's available this year, Bengals first round pick. I thought the, draft, the list was interesting. A lot of people took notice of Drew Locke getting picked 15th overall ahead of Matt Ryan, Kyler Murray, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, I thought it was absurd, but you're a Denver Broncos fan. You could talk more about Drew Locke. I don't think – I think it's absurd to go above Kyler and maybe Jimmy G. I still think Jimmy G's um, really good, although 
everyone's kind of recency bias on the Super Bowl. But Drew Locke looked great. His final five games of the season, you know, when he was a starter, won out. Um, so there's a lot of hype, and they surrounded him with great wide receiver talent. Um, Jerry Judy, probably the top Alabama receiver. K.J. Hamler out of Penn State. So they got a lot of good things going. It'll be- so why do you think this list why, why do you think this list like if you I think uh local beat writers were the ones that put this list together for their teams. So why do you think why would you pick Drew Locke at 15? Like can you get behind the mind of that beat writer and say why did Denver take him? Cuz it is it's Denver's 15th pick and they obviously took Locke. Uh prototypical size, great arm. He actually has some mobility which tends to let people believe that he might be able to make some off-platform throws, kind of like Patrick Mahomes and Kyler Murray. Has some success down the line of his rookie season. Um, great weapons. But above all, just he's a charismatic guy with a burning desire to be great. I know he's contacted Peyton Manning of what to do in the offseason because he wants to emulate what Peyton did. And it's just having that kind of drive, I think, separates him. I'm not sure this beat writer knows all this, but um, I wouldn't pick him above Kyler Murray, who's, you know, I'd say a shorter Patrick Mahomes. Um, but, yeah, in this, if I'm restarting, if the NFL restarted and you had to pick a position to lead your team, I'd take a quarterback round one every time. I just think it's completely biased that Denver has the 15th pick of this thing. <laughs> obviously. Um, top five picks, I, I don't see an issue. Patrick Mahomes goes one to the Bengals. Russell Wilson goes two to the Redskins. Lamar Jackson, three to the Lions. Deshaun Watson, four to the Giants. Five, Aaron Donald, the first defensive player taken off the board. I have no issue there. I think Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson, in my opinion, are the top two quarterbacks. Um I'm trying to see where Tom Brady was on this list. 14 to Tampa Bay. Okay, I didn't know it was beat writers from the area doing it. It makes a lot more sense that Tom Brady went to Tampa and Drew Locke went to Denver. Matt Ryan went to Tampa. Yeah, see, those ones. But, like, Rodgers went 12, still listed ahead of Brady. He went to the Raiders. I like that. Breeze, I would take Aaron Rodgers before Breeze. Breeze. Breeze is at eight to the Cardinals. I can't believe the Arizona guy didn't take Kyler Murray. But, yeah, um, it's just – look, it looks like quarterback is the main position. One guy went O-tackle, but the re- – if you're not picking quarterback, you got to get a pass rusher. And then, yeah, Christian McCaffrey running back, I think he's just so lethal. Um, and he kind of carried the Panthers last year. It's not a bad pick in the first round. Even Michael Thomas, 22 to the Bills. I thought Michael Thomas would go higher, but he's, I think, the first wide receiver taken – at 22 in this redraft. Michael Thomas, yeah, he's just seen, he's developing that wide receiver diva personality. Complaining you think? Complain, you saw the offseason beef he had with Devontae Parker. Yeah, but that was warranted. I mean, if Devontae Parker's coming at you and you're Michael Thomas, all pro receiver, I think Michael Thomas is the number one receiver. That's actually a good debate, ranking the receivers, because we know the talent pool there. Yeah, I, I agree. I well, if you take my people will say if you take Drew Brees away from and all the targets away from Michael Thomas, is he still elite? I think his hands are insane. He can catch just about any ball. He's a big body possession guy, so I like him. 
Yeah, I mean, the only, the only seriously, it's crazy. In this list, the only one that people really shit on it for was Drew Locke. And it's funny. I mean, yeah, you say prototypical. He does walk around with a swagger. But I listened to an interview with um, uh, McManus. Their kicker was on the Pat McAfee show. And McAfee brought up Drew Locke. And he kind of – he straight up said Drew Locke's immature, which I guess is normal. But for him to come out and say that, was concerning for me McAfee especially said that? or McManus no McAfee ha- yeah McAfee had McManus on and the question was about Drew Locke and McManus straight up said he's immature but also good guy um yeah but he definitely said the word immature he's young I mean he's like probably 20 21 and we've seen all the yeah. highlights of him dancing on the sideline to young GZ <laughs> so I think yeah I think McManus is just old man I don't know if a lot of guys uh, like McManus on the team. Huh? I don't know if a lot of guys like McManus on the team, personality-wise. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, like, coming from a <laughs> kicker, kickers are usually off to the side. So I'm not yeah. sure how much uh, – yeah, I don't know. Uh, Jack Prescott, another quarterback taken ahead of Aaron Rodgers in this thing. I can't believe it. Why are people souring on Aaron Rodgers? Please tell me. Is it the offense that is being ran over there with – uh, LaFleur because he still had a great year a lot of people don't like how he doesn't take chances he still doesn't turn the football over and that's a key if you're a quarterback in the league yeah uh, I guess age could be a factor um, but yeah, than, I guess you're starting your team with these guys so but other than that I mean if you're even if you're 37 you're not I mean you're definitely on the tail end of the career but you're not out of the league as a quarterback now especially with Brady leading the charge at like 41. So, who knows? Maybe it's personality. A lot of these beat writers take offense to Aaron Rodgers because um, he's so, sometimes a little monotone. You know what they should have done? They should have not had the beat writers do this draft. They should have had one player from each of these teams redraft. That would have been very interesting. And Aaron Rodgers' stats have probably declined a little, but it's not like they're giving him great weapons, obviously. So, you kind of have to blame it a little bit on the management side of his performance isn't just about him. It's about who's surrounding him. God, this list is trash. Looking at it now, I don't know, man. Well, it's not how you draft him. Too much. It's not how you draft him. Well, look at that, Definitely not. Look at the Niners. At 31 in this draft, they took George Kittle. I, I don't know why we did this segment. I, I didn't even look fully deep into this thing, but the bias is insane. It's hard to take it serious, yeah. Yeah, uh, so what do you want to talk about fantasy? You know what's weird about fantasy? So with all this COVID stuff going on, the quarantine, obviously football is going to come back, and I think they actually will come back when some fans are allowed in. But for some reason, like right now, we would be gearing up for a draft, but I just I, I lost some enthusiasm for it. I don't know why. And I have a pretty good team. We're in a keeper league. I think we're on year eight. Uh, cheer me up or something get me stoked it's the one thing i look forward to i'm what i'm saying is in our league about half of the players or half of the owners are extremely prepared and guys like me doing mock drafts three months in advance reading hype articles on these players i just love football and statistics and seeing who's going to be a diamond in the rough so i've always loved fantasy for that um and building a good roster and then there's guys like trevor near you know, Sean O'Neill, who just waltz into the draft with no cheat sheet or like any knowledge of <laughs> what team players are on, and somehow they 
walk away with a semi-decent team. And I think that brings like, that makes fantasy so much more fun when there's just like a ragtag team of owners. So, and our league's cool because we do get to keep three players. So there's decision making leading up to the draft. We do an auction draft, which beforehand, I mean, I was a standard fantasy player growing up, but the auction, if you haven't tried it yet, the auction is unlike any other. And I believe most people probably do auction these days. It's fun bidding on players, you know? Yeah. Rattling the cage of the guy sitting next to you. Nothing better. So who, who are your keepers? Tell me that. Kyler Murray, who I think. And I also, I know people, I, I want to say beforehand, I know people hate when other people talk about their fantasy teams, but guys, we don't have much going on in the sports world today. So bear with us. Kyler Murray, who I think is going to have a dark horse MVP season, especially with DeAndre Hopkins getting added, bolstering the O-line, another year for the young receivers that he has around him. So I'm hyped on Kyler. I have A.J. Brown, who I got, you know, for cheap too, who had a breakout year with the Titans. And then my third spot's pretty open, but I think I'm going to go Ronald Jones. Tom, Tom, Tampa Bay running back? <laughs> Brady's RB. I'm just thinking if Tom Brady comes over there and I have the running back, you know, behind Tom Brady in, in that offense, he's going to contribute really well. And he's a USC grad, so maybe Reggie Bush starts coming in his ear now. <laughs> I mean, Ronald's an interesting one. I know Eric, I think, tried to keep him last year in our league, which was a year too early. I know he had probably a couple good games, but I know he had the fumbleitis. Uh, I think it's a good one. I don't know how they're going to implement running backs over there. I don't know if they have a handful of them, like there were in uh, New England for Tom Brady. But I do know that Bruce Arians was the head coach over in Arizona and he loved Chris Johnson who kind of similar. Exactly. And I know they brought in a running back from Purdue. who's rep by uh, clutch sports, which is Rich Paul's agency, Kashawn Vaughn, but it's pretty hard in an NFL offense as a rookie to just pick it up, pick up all the pass block protection and contribute. I've also, one of the things that's different about me in fantasy is I, I get attached to these players off season workouts and grinds and how committed they are. And if they're trying to improve and I've seen a lot of videos of Ronald Jones working yeah, on that's a bad idea. So See, that's, that's when I think owners dig too deep. And we all know that's me every year. <laughs> so um, it's funny. I should probably come in more prepared this year. I know the last, I try to not focus on it because you could get so in your head with fantasy oh. to beat yourself for days, especially in an auction how much money you have to spend, where you're going to spend it. I thought I did all right last year. I haven't won a title in this league. My keepers, Nick Chubb, got for cheap, running back, Cleveland Browns. Uh, Lamar Jackson, oh. got him at the right time, won the MVP last year. His price is going to go up. I'm okay with that. And then my third keeper, maybe the listeners could help comment below. It's between OBJ, who has disappointed me the last couple of years I've kept him, or Julio Jones, who had a great year last year and actually found the end zone. So what about a lot more expensive than OBJ, but I don't know. What about Austin Eckler, running back Chargers? You know, I like – see, it's interesting because I like to get quarterback out of the way, one running back out of the way, one receiver out of the way. So you could kind of build off those top guys. I have my number one guy at receiver and number one uh, running back. And then quarterback, I obviously have a guy that 
is pretty consistent. I think you're a favorite with your keepers because they're pretty talented. It's all about how you construct your roster. Um, yeah, that's the problem. I, I clinch up too easily. I remember last year I invited my brother over to help me out, and I usually don't bite the bullet early, but Julio Jones came on the board, and I just did it. I think it was 60-something bucks. Boom. Right yeah, I remember that because I didn't keep him. Yeah, I'm over analysis, over analysis paralysis. You, which I think, I mean, we're yeah, you're that, but you've won, you've won uh, in our dynasty league, correct? Yeah, it's name, but um, John Serta is the back-to-back champ right now, and oddly enough, as soon as he signs and ta- starts co-owning in another league with his girlfriend Natasha, he starts winning r- rings in ours. So we kind of think she has. She's played a really impactful role to him getting these championships. It's not all him. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's not a coincidence. She comes in the picture and sort of reels off two titles. I don't think Christian McCaffrey uh, has much to do with that. I think it's on Natasha. He didn't even know who Christian McCaffrey was without her. No, we can't. We can't dog him that hard. We can't dog him that bad. Anyways, yeah. So I'm. I'm. I, I'm just glad the NFL season's back and we're going to have fantasy. But it's hard with 12 guys figuring out a draft destination. We always want to go big like Mexico, but we can never figure it out. Yeah, last year I was at your house. I thought that was fun. Uh, I ate a ton. Your mom's brownies came <laughs> out. I think I had three of those, two burgers. Uh, I would like to do a destination. We did have a zoo a couple of years ago. That one was super fun. It's about 118 degrees. Make your pick. Throw it on the board. Jump in the lake, beer in hand. I thought that was awesome. air conditioning broke. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, that was epic. Uh, yeah. That's a story to tell. So the AC broke at our house, 14 dudes deep, sweating. Just I mean, I've never sweated more. It was a sauna. Yeah, it was. And I was only there one night. You guys got there earlier, but I only could do it for one night. Slept on a mattress outside. Night number two. We're in the garage around 10 30 p.m. Probably 20 beers deep at that point throughout the whole day and me you Beanie, and patrick all are up deciding you know what there's the best western <laughs> right down the street and i think still to this day that's one of the best decisions i've ever made shower air conditioning just rejuvenated <laughs> the final day i don't think i've had i don't think seriously i'm not even kidding when i say this i don't think i've had that good of sleep since it felt so good it felt like after a beach you know long beach day where you're Slightly sunburn, you shower off all the sunscreen, and you're just kind of laying in bed, taking a nap. Avoided the uh, avoided the Sunday cleanup at the house. Yeah, oh. still get shit for that. Um, yeah, so that's the fantasy talk. Baseball, man. Uh, I actually read an article today. Uh, I don't even want to keep talking about this until there's actual news. I know the owners and players union is going back and forth. Here's the thing, Rob Manfred. If it comes down to it could just come out and say, hey, we're playing 50 games and we're going through with it. Two sides, you just have to play. He could literally put in a 50-game season. And here's why I have so so much of a problem with that. 50 games in baseball is just a spurt, dude. 162, I know some people think it's too long, but 50 is too short. Last year, through the first 50 games, let me tell you this. The Washington Nationals were 19 and 31. They went on to win the World Series, for those of you that don't know. 19 and 31, 
those first 50 games was the same record as the Detroit Tigers, who now are picking number one in the draft after losing 114 games. Also, Nelson Cruz, 41 homers last year. First 50 games of the season, seven home runs. I just can't get behind that, man. I didn't know that. It's a, yeah, it's a crapshoot. There's no legitimacy if you win a title or not. I know I had a huge discussion this past weekend when we were watching the UFC fights with Brett Campbell saying, you guys are going to be at the parade. You guys are going to be dousing each other with beers if the Dodgers win it. Listen, I probably will be, but deep down inside, I'm not going to be waving my 2020 World Series championship if that's the first one I witnessed because 50 games is a fucking joke. I agree, yeah. I mean, every yeah, it's unfortunate. It's cool to see a team go on a late run and slip in the playoffs and then just make a miracle run to the World Series, kind of like the Nationals. Um, I think the Indians did it a couple of years back. But what what game limit would be good for you? Satisfying half a season. Uh, so the players first said 114. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, the last thing that was out was 76 games with a 75% prorated salary. Um, and I'm okay with 70, I'm okay with 76 games, I guess. Um, yeah. Like if I had to choose the least amount of games as possible for me, probably 76 games. And here's the quote I read in the article, and it makes so much sense in the world we're living in today. Being right is not as important as doing what's right. So please just come to the table and do what's right for baseball. And they were talking about possibly kicking off the season when these negotiations first started about starting the season on the 4th of July. Can you imagine if baseball came back on the 4th of July before the basketball playoffs start, before the NFL's even getting started, they would literally own it. And 4th of July would be monumental to start the season, man. And they've lost out on that. I don't even think it's possible. But having beers on the 4th of July with all these games happening would probably be one of the greatest moments for our world at this point. Dodgers win, fireworks going off. That, oh, that would man. be a moment to end COVID. It would. Fourth of July, just like after, I mean, I hate to say it, but after 9-11 when Mike Piazza hit that home run in the first game back, uh, American flags all over the stadium. I mean, I don't think fans would be there on fourth of July, but I, the bars are opening this week. We could possibly go to the bars and watch this thing. It would be seriously a moment for all of us to cherish for the rest of time. And you know how many kids are going to be missing out on baseball if they can't come to an agreement? So many. And this is the prime years for kids. Think about when we were younger growing up. We had the Sosa-McGuire race, which is going to be the 30 for 30 this weekend. It's going to be incredible. That's what made us fell in love with baseball. You know what's fucked is like now players aren't – a guy like Mike Trout who is – on a trajectory to kind of potentially breaks certain records. Now he's has a shorter season, less games to do it. It's kind of unfortunate for something like that. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I hate it. I mean, I'm I the biggest Mike Trout fan and one can only hope one day he catches Barry Bonds. Yeah, exactly. With 765 home runs. And yes, this will play a factor, but just give us what we want, man. We want baseball back on TV, for God's sake. It's going to be the only sport not on television. I mean, I've said this on every podcast. We're on episode 19, and there's been no change at all. I agree. Um, 
Yeah. You got any final thoughts for us today? The last thing I want to talk about is game. My dog did bark for five minutes. I'd like to apologize for that. I would have got up. I would have told him to shut up, but I just thought, you know what? Let's, let's just, that was a cool moment actually added to the pod. I think a thing we should end on is, you know, games of the past. We wish we wagered on. Yeah. We thought about this, uh, this this weekend, right? Yeah. We were watching the UFC fights. Someone or they had shown a clip of the Robert Ory game winner against the Kings where Shaq tips it out. The ball rolls to Robert Ory's feet and he hits a three-pointer at the top of the key to end the game. And that's probably the moment of my life that I re- tried to reenact, you know, in beer pong, <laughs> pick up basketball, yeah. shooting tra- uh, trash ball, uh, paper balls in the trash can. So I wish I was old enough to be able to have a little bit of money on it and just win, you know, Went a little extra dough on that. So I think that's kind of what got the conversation going. Yeah, we definitely, we talked about that game. We all, because Devin was with us and we said, yeah, like we would have bet on the Lakers and that would have been a great game to bet on. I don't, we don't know the spread of it, but obviously I think uh, that would have been great. And on Devin's end, it could have been a bad beat that (laughs) sent him in. He would have been in the game. Yeah. So, uh, that one was uh, – Derek Fisher was the one I thought of immediately because okay. I remember watching. That's the shot that I tried to uh, do immediately the next day. I remember getting to school at like 7 a.m., and I wasn't even left-handed, but I just tried to throw it over my shoulder with .4 left on the clock. And if you're betting that game, think about that. You're like .4. I think some people probably would have left because at that point, I think it wasn't possible or something. No one thought – they thought it would, you'd need like at least .7 or something, .8. I remember I was watching yeah. with my dad and my mom and the shot they hit the shot and we're down. There's point four. My dad just got up and left. People forget about that shot too. Tim Duncan guarded by Shaq falling over. Such a great hit an amazing shot right before. Such a great shot. And my dad got up and got in his car and drove to the Little League, like right around my house for a game. And I, I stayed to watch the rest and he hit it. <laughs> he just didn't believe that Derek Fisher won the game. So there is a story of someone leaving. <laughs> Yeah, and I wonder if he had money on it. That'd be interesting oh, to ask. It. He's not sure. Uh, the, the other one I was thinking uh, was, obviously this was a Reggie Bush heavy podcast, was the Texas-USC game. Heartbreaker. Almost cried when I didn't have money on it. Can you imagine throwing three bills on that and Vince Young? Well, we all knew was going to take the ball and run it 15 yards into the end zone. devastating. And, oh, so bad. That would have been devastating. And they just showed that Rose Bowl game over the, you know, during all this uh, social distancing lockdown. Yeah, I watched the entire thing. That was a low point for me. And we forget how good. I remember when Reggie gave up his Heisman, there was a little bit of discussion whether Reggie should give it up uh, and it should go to Vince Young, which I was so against. But Vince Young in that game, man, was insane. He was. Even watching it back, you're like, holy crap. Well, the thing, I mean, I was just surprised because it started trending on Twitter when they were showing it. How many, how much of like the youth and, you know, that generation hadn't seen that game or didn't know who Lendell White was, how good that rushing attack overall was. So people were just really hyped. And they made a 30 for. They made the 30 for 30 Trojan War after it and going into that game. USC had to be at least a touchdown favorite. I agree. 100%.
that's one. I also would have loved to bet uh, the 2007 Super Bowl when the Patriots were going for their undefeated season because I was the only one in my household with all of my friends there who was rooting so hard against Tom Brady, which I always do. Who did they play? And it, they played the Giants, and they oh. had that game-winning yeah. touchdown uh, over the shoulder to Plaxico Burris, and I, I'm convinced I would have won money because I would have picked the Giants. That's a great one. Was that the and, David Tyree catch, too, to get drive down the field? Yeah, same game. <laughs> you think about the Super Bowls we've lived through. I know I made a ton of money off the Falcons one. I actually on Twitter at halftime said, Bill Belichick, greatest coach of making adjustments at halftime, final score, 31-27. I tweeted that out, and I won a couple hundred dollars for not giving up. One of the shirts were down 27 to 30. I would have picked that one, but I, I was in the basement. I think you were probably at my house, actually. <laughs> that was probably the greatest thing ever. Another Another one. I have one actually. Uh, who are you going? Who are you going for during the uh, Steelers Cardinals Super Bowl? Oh, um, the cards. Okay. Right, because then I think so that- James Harrison got like a end of the first half, like ninety yard interception. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I was rooting for the cards. I just love Larry Fitzgerald and that team. And he hit, he had that breakaway in the fourth quarter. I think like a sixty-yard touchdown, straight down the Slant, middle. Yeah. And then obviously, one of the passes that's iconic doesn't get talked about enough. Honestly, is Big Ben in the corner of the end zone to Santonio Holmes, perfect throw and perfect catch, two tapper in the back of the end zone. I I I rooted for the Cardinals in that one too. That one just was back and forth, incredible. And if you had the over in that one, I think you would have got it. Do you know what year that was? 2009? Um, Kurt Warner. Uh, yeah, it says 2009. I don't know. 2009? Yeah. So That one was good. I'm trying to think of another Super Bowl. I have a baseball one. Because that's really good. Oh, baseball? Uh, Kurt Gibson walked off. Do you think of a baseball one? Yeah, I'm Did sure. I mean, we know how many people left the stadium with that. That would have been insane. Yeah, have you bet have you bet any games with a walk off homer? No. <laughs> that would be freaking <laughs> yeah. Or how about how about if you bet uh the Red Sox game six, nineteen eighty six when the ball went through Buckner's oh legs. Gosh. Oh if you're the right age you would have too. I mean that's the thing. Good times. Yeah, betting I Super Bowl's like the only thing I bet now. Uh Final thoughts on Conor McGregor retiring for the third time in four years. I don't trust any fighter that ever retires. Dude, he's doing it for attention. I, I absolutely despise that he did that. It's not the first time he's retired. The night of the night of UFC 250 as well. Like, can you be a bigger dick to take away from those fighters? Who it was a great card. Garbrandt's knockout, O'Malley's knockout, and then Amanda Nunes five round beat down. Of Alicia, Alicia, uh, Felicia Spencer. Yep. On just no yeah. reason to do that. He's not actually going to retire. He's going to come back in a couple months, and when he schedules a fight, I don't like that attitude. But I'm a McGregor fan. I'm a McGregor. Yeah, I I kind of flip flop on McGregor. I I liked him 
And then I thought he got in over his head, especially after losing a few times, Juan de Diaz, and then getting mauled by uh, Khabib. I don't know who he fights next. I know the new Fight Island, Abu Dhabi. Pretty awesome that they're doing that. July 11th, uh, UFC 251. I know our friends are sending that card, saying it's stacked. Uh, I don't know much about it, but I'm, I'm so fired up that Dana White's keeping this thing going because how fun was it on Saturday to literally hang out with a group of friends watching It's the sport we had to bring us all together. And at the very end of the night, we're all just sharing stories from high school in a little powwow circle, which was epic. Much needed for all of us that have been kind of isolating for the past few months. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, had too many beers next day, hungover, ate like a horse. That's what I do, dude. I don't have much of a problem drinking, but the next day I just turn into the biggest POS 100%. and I'm ashamed, I'm ashamed of myself of what I eat. Just greasy Postmates two to three times a day, maybe in four. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Three times the habit and then L and L to top it off. I don't even I can't even calculate the calories. Which bolts phenomenal. Sure. Um, so that was a good podcast. Forty minutes strong, slowly. Yeah. Third time guest, probably gonna come on a fourth time. Uh thanks for coming that on. Was man. Sweet. Good talking. And there you have it, another podcast with my good friend Kyle Slowey. Thank you guys for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at 10 after 7 or on the Instagram at 10 underscore after underscore 7. I'm out. Woo! Go Dodgers.